0: it's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Hello, friends. Welcome back to The Right Conversations. This is episode 36. Fucking wild! We're just like plowing through these. And today's episode is called "A Conversation About Sexual Fantasies" with Meryl Victoria. And I am so thrilled to have Meryl on. We have such a um, wonderful relationship, and just know each other through so many different ways and connections and things. And I am so excited to to share this human with you, uh, Meryl. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Rachel. Excited
0: to be here. Me too. I'm so excited. So for everybody listening, will you let them know who you are? And if you want to share, whether that's personal, professional, like completely up to you, whatever you want anyone listening to know.
1: Totally. I am a somatic sex and intimacy coach, meaning I take a body-based approach to sex coaching and relationship coaching. Um, born and raised in Buffalo, New York. And I've been in New York City now for almost 10 years and have spent that time doing what I call research into exploring my own sexuality. And um, it's been a really beautiful and amazing experience to share what I have learned, not just from my own experiences, but also through all sorts of training and body-based training and somatic experiencing, um, to help people have the best sex possible for them and access joy and pleasure every damn day of their lives. It's awesome.
0: Oh, yes. And if those of you listening are, or some of you listening are like, wait, I think I know that name. Meryl is one of the incredible coaches on our team. Um, so there are folks who have applied to work with me or my team and are working with Meryl and love her. Uh, so if anything that Meryl's talking about today, you're like, oh, I would love to talk to her in that type of a container. You can do that. Um, she's absolutely wonderful. I can vouch both personally and professionally. (laughs) So, okay, let's dive into this. I know you and I went back and forth a bunch about what we wanted to talk about today. Um, And I'm curious, let's just start with, why are you passionate about talking about sexual fantasies and what can people expect from our chat today?
1: Yeah, um, this is sort of one of my favorite things to talk about just because it is... um, Everybody fantasizes, and everybody fantasizes for their entire lives. We start having fantasies when we play pretend and use our imaginations as children, and somewhere along the line, when we grow up—I'm doing air quotes—grow yeah. in- <laughs> up, <laughs> um, we we try to stifle that part of ourselves, and that I think what it takes with it play and this sort of whimsical joyfulness that we experience as children that is still and always is accessible to us through our fantasy. And um, fantasy also allows us this space so that we can create for ourselves without anybody else knowing about it to experience our own experience and explore our own desires without the shame of society, that any we can we can walk outside of the perceived social norms in our own minds and create this playground for ourselves that we may not feel safe to like talk to our friends about or our family or even sometimes our partners. Um so it's a way to begin the journey from within for people who struggle um with the sort of external expression of their sexualities.,
0: oh, love that. So, if someone's like, I don't know if this conversation is for me, how will they know to keep listening or not? How would, what would you recommend?
1: Um, I would say if you're not sure that fantasies are for you, then maybe listen to some today and maybe something will come to you or, you know, open up this sort of door to personal creativity. If I think because everyone has the capacity to fantasize everyone has the capacity to take something away from this conversation. And I also want to hold space for people who are um, neurodivergent and fantasy can be difficult for people Mm. who have, um, you know, like I have ADHD. So fantasy can be really difficult for me sometimes. And um, I have found ways to allow myself that experience Um, without judgment or shame. And um, so even if it feels inaccessible to you, you never do know what's possible.
0: I love this. Okay. So I think just starting with naming that like almost everyone has sexual fantasies and how would you define them?
1: Um, That's a great question. No one's actually ever asked me for a definition of a sexual fantasy before. (laughs) Um, For me, sexual fantasies are ways that our inner desires, and those can be sexual desires or emotional desires, make themselves known to us and they allow us insight into how to get all of our needs fulfilled in a way that is playful and approachable.
0: Hey, look at you coming up with definitions.
1: (laughs) Right on the spot, right there. Love it. Love (laughs) it.
0: Ah, So what are some of the more common sexual fantasies?
1: The most common sexual fantasies have to do with power and control or dominance and submission. Um, Multiple partner sex or swapping partners, um, breaking taboos. And I also want to just say about taboos that there is no real definition of what makes something taboo. So a taboo is totally unique to you. For some people, doggy style sex is taboo. Mm For some of us, we hear that and we're like, oh, that's adorable. (laughs) So so breaking taboos is a, is a huge one, especially um, like later on when we, when we introduce the, the word shame to this conversation, that's a big part of it. And um, novelty and adventure. I would say in the world of deep core desires, novelty is one of the most unnamed, but prevalent core desire that people experience. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the so novelty as a core, is that core desires are, um, as I define them, the emotional experiences that we're seeking to have from sex. So what makes sex awesome is not the actions that you're performing, rather it's the emotions that you're experiencing. So if feeling precious and chosen and special is elicited for you through submission, the thing that's exciting about submission is not that you like to get spanked or tied up or whatever. It is that you experience this very particular set of emotions that make you feel fulfilled, joyful, seen, accepted, whatever those yummy feelings words are for you. So fantasy and fantasy exploration allows us to explore how to access those core desires and get those needs met. And novelty is one. um, I think a lot of people, especially as we've expanded the conversation around polyamory, a lot of people who have this novelty desire are hearing and saying like, yes, I want something different all the time. I want new people all the time. I want new experiences every day. That sort of yearning for different stuff and new stuff and exciting stuff and adventurous stuff and different people is all wrapped up in that core desire of novelty.
0: If someone is like, oh my gosh, yes. Okay. I'm having these sexual fantasies what is the next step? Is there a next step? Like, is there something to do with these sexual fantasies or is it about being in them? Like what does someone do with their fantasy?
1: It's a great question. You know, <laughs> it really is. What's the action part. Yeah. Of this? yeah. Um, well, I think for the, for a little while, I think it's important for you to spend time inside of them. Mm. And, really understand and your your understand your fantasies and get curious about them why why does this turn me on so much what do i feel when i think about this fantasy and for some people for a lot of people it helps if you really create the scene for yourself so like build it like a movie script like you're writing a movie okay i'm making dinner and my partner is half an hour late which is great because I always am running half an hour behind and that makes me feel really seen. And then we have dinner and then, you know, like they do the, like throwing everything off the table move. And, you know, and so you have this really well curated idea of what your fantasy is so that you, it is accessible to you whenever you want. So then you can start using your fantasy inside of sex, outside of sex with, your in your own self pleasure practice and you don't have to worry so much about like creating it it's already there for you and it allows you to bring that fantasy into your body let it let it leave your mind and enter your body in a way so that it's less like your wheels aren't turning so much it's not as distracting love this and when it comes to actually doing something about it you have choices you can do it or not do it and Um, a really important piece of this conversation. And like, if anybody out there takes one thing away from this, one of the really important pieces is just because you fantasize about it doesn't mean you want to do it for real.
0: Okay. Can you, this is a huge thing that comes up all the time. I know in my work one-on-one with clients, it comes up with friends. It comes up with, uh, editors, like anytime sexual fantasies are brought up, this comes up. So can you talk more about this?
1: Totally. Totally. Um, I think, you know, the one sort of most tangible and he sort of gives you a little bit of a gut check about where you are in your own fantasy life, but it's, um, like a rape fantasy. So Mm. many women, like so many women have forced sex fantasies and I can almost guarantee you that none of them want to have sex forced upon them. Mm. So that is a really visceral example of, fantasies do not equal reality. And because you fantasize about something does not mean you're going out there and trying to get it. It is, like I said, it's an emotional fulfillment of emotional needs. So for some people with this, in this example, um, it's a reclamation of the experience. They want to take control through their fantasies of what happened to them. Um, re-experiencing can, you know, it can be very traumatic and it can be very healing depending on the person. So what we get out of our fantasies varies widely. And, um, yeah, like (laughs) I've, I've had the opportunity to have some fantasies fulfilled. And when the time came, I was like, um, I don't actually know if I want to do that. I thought I wanted to do that for 10 years and now here it is. And I just don't want to. So sometimes we even surprise ourselves um, as far as this all goes, but yes. So I'm starting to ramble now. Um,
0: No, I I love this. I I, I read um, when I was kind of just doing some recon before our chat, I, I was reading a few different articles. And one of the articles that I read said that every Fantasy falls into one of three categories. And I'm curious if you agree with this. Uh, number one was those we keep to ourselves. Number two is those who those we share with our partners or partner to engage in or up the the sexiness or steaminess during sex. And then three is those we want to try in real life. And that perhaps includes sharing, that perhaps includes not sharing, but there is a reality to it.
1: Mm hmm I'm curious about the sort of differentiation between the second and third. So sharing with your partner versus sharing and doing with your partner.
0: Yeah. So like okay. almost using it as dirty talk. Like I have a fantasy of a gangbang, but I want to talk about that while I'm only having sex with this person versus I want you to help me plan
1: a gangbang. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm giggling because that was the fantasy that I got scared. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, say more, say more. Um, I like I've always had gangbang fantasy, like, one of my personal core desires is to feel like useful and purposeful, and that feels like really accessible during a gangbang <laughs> scene. Um, so yeah, and then I was going to a um a club with some sex positive friends. And it ended up being a lot of men who were coming with us. And they were like, Meryl, let's do, let's do your fantasy tonight. Let's do a gangbang here. And I, I just, I don't know. I just, I I feel it in my body happening now as I'm remembering <laughs> this story. I got all these sort of like it was this sort of mixture of butterflies becoming hornets and this kind of like churning mess of honey in my gut. <laughs> it's like I don't know if this is a yes or no, but I think I'm gonna say no. And looking back on the experience, I'm actually really glad I said no. Mm. Um, And you know what? Life is really, really long. And knowing me, it will not be my last offer for a gangbang. So that's okay.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. It can be a no for now.
1: Totally. It can be a no for now. And again, that'll, that brings me right back to this, this beautiful part of fantasy is that it's for you. It's just for you. So it doesn't like whatever you choose to do with it really doesn't matter at all. If it's what you want. And that, and so this kind of, again, brings me back to this. What do you do, right? What do you do mm-hmm. with sexual mm-hmm. fantasies? Um, first, you have to decide if it's something you want to share. And um, I think this can be a really hard conversation for couples sometimes mm. because it's really easy for the person receiving it to feel like, oh, well, I'll never be enough for this person? Or has it always have you have you never enjoyed the sex that we've had? Um, has this missing piece like totally Interesting. you know, have 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 has there been no wind in your sails for all these years because this fantasy is not being fulfilled? And a lot of times people move it into like a space where it's becoming personal for them. Like I'm a failure to you because your fantasies aren't being fulfilled. Um so this is, as pretty much everything in my work comes back to, the tools of healthy communication. Um, offer something to your partner in saying, like, I love our sex life. I really love having sex with you. I love when we do this and this and this. And I've had this fantasy for a long time that I would love to share with you and see if it might be something that you would be into trying with me. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay.
0: Oh God, I love this. So I, I have a question that kind of encompasses both your own personal experience around this gangbang fantasy and then everything we've talked about so far, which is how does someone navigate shame mm-hmm. through this? And and how can you tell what is shame versus intuition versus fear of judgment, right? Like, And I know that they're all related, of course. And how does shame play a role in fantasy?
1: Yeah, the insidious shame. Yeah. Um it's everywhere. And like I said in the beginning, it's important to recognize that anytime you move outside of the perceived social norm, shame is waiting for you. So the first sort of step in all of this, I think, extends beyond this conversation and is just learning how to vanquish shame in your own life in general, um, de-shamifying your own sexual desires and fantasies. This I do a lot of this work with my clients. Um, it's deep. It really is deeply connected to embodiment work. Um, knowing what shame feels like in your body versus nervousness versus anxiety versus someone's crossing your boundaries. All of those body sensations are different. And learning the nuances of what your body is trying to tell you will help you navigate this particular part of the fantasy world.
0: So can you talk a little bit about what you do with clients in terms of that somatic recognition of what shame feels like? Like, How can someone start with
1: that? Absolutely. I, I always recommend, this is something that's really hard to do by yourself. So mm. even if it's with a partner that you or a best friend, someone that you really, really trust to uh, hold your shame with you and hold space open for shame to be present and help you deescalate From it, if you get a little too hot in (laughs) in that Mm -hmm. space. Um, uh, The way I do it is I offer people a space to share something that they feel ashamed about. And I ask the following questions over and over and over again Where do you feel that in your body? Where do you sense this is happening inside of you? How do you know? this is shame. And just like a scientific fact about emotions is that they happen in your body. Emotions mm-hmm. are energy that happen in your body, which means that something is going on inside of you. If you've ever experienced butterflies or can sense your heart rate rising or know when you're ovulating. That's called interoception, knowing what is going on, being able to sense what is going on inside of your body. So, getting really in touch with what your body actually feels like the physical sensations of your feelings and asking yourself, how do I know this is shame? How do I know this is embarrassment? How do I know this is depression? And your body, our body talks to us constantly. And we are only really listening when it says, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm horny, I'm thirsty. <laughs>
0: uh, yes. Can you say that one more time? Because that is beyond so true and just like really kind of like slapped me in the face.
1: <laughs> yeah. I always say it. our bodies are constantly talking to us. And the only times we listen are when it says, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm horny, I'm thirsty. Ah. Uh. Okay, so
0: if someone else just feels that slap in the face, what can they do to start to notice these other things so that when shame and things like that come up, that that's more noticeable? Luanda Massager is a woman founded luxury vibrator brand that brings unparalleled quality to a notoriously sketchy industry. LaWand originated as one hell of a classic wand, all the power you could want with an award-winning design to match, and has now become a full line of best-in-class, heart-pounding, hair-raising toys designed with pleasure in mind for all bodies. Take 25% off your order at lawandmassager.com using code RACHELWRIGHT.
1: I always start with with a... Uh, tracking a feeling in your body that's really accessible. And one that people, it's the first emotion anyone shares with me. And it always happens on our discovery calls before we've ever even met. And it's, I'm nervous and excited. (laughs) And and (laughs) nervous and excited are two really wonderful emotions to play with because they're so adjacent oftentimes those body sensations are like really, really similar, which is why people always offer them in conjunction with one another. So I, I say like, okay, so let's sit with that feeling, right? What does it feel like if you try and lean towards excitement? And this is a great moment to use fantasy. Okay. So like, what was the time I was really excited? I was really excited on this first date with, (laughs) on this first date with someone that I'd been like waiting to break up with their partner for so long. And finally it happened. And I was like, the date's going to happen now. And the date did happen. And that excitement is so accessible to me. So I'm able to use an experience that I had to lean towards fantasy and to lean towards excitement in that moment using empathy mm. and feel the excitement in my body and say, okay, that's definitely excitement. I feel excitement like little butterflies. I feel excitement like tingling in my fingertips. I feel excitement like my heart starts to race a little bit and my, my cheeks get a little bit flushed, you know? And so what does it feel like to lean towards nervousness? And I think of a time when I was really nervous. I have a performance background. I was going on stage once as the lead, I was the understudy. I had never done the show before, actually all the way through. Oh my God. Never forget that feeling of nervousness. Yeah. Yep. So then I can you bring in that fantasy and lean into nervousness and say, okay, okay, this is similar. I feel the butterflies, I feel the tingling in my fingers, but my stomach feels like it's dropped four inches. And my heart actually isn't racing. It feels a little heavy and tight in my chest. So while some of the body sensations are the same, there are small differences that I'm able to tap into by using fantasy to lean in one direction or the other. And that is a really easy and accessible way. And the emotions itself that we're experiencing are pretty low stakes. So it's not going to, oftentimes it won't send people into like a triggered response or a survival brain moment or anything like that. So it's something you can do by yourself and sort of play with feeling the difference in your body. And once you have a bit of um just like a little bit of practice doing that, then you can start to get, bring that curiosity to all your other emotions. So, you know, if you have a body sensation and you're like this, I'm feeling into this and it actually feels familiar. When is the time that I might have felt this feeling before? And a lot of people feel like they're going to freeze up in that moment and say like, I don't remember. I'll never ever remember. But our bodies are so smart and I, I, oh, so often people always say, I'm really surprised that, that I'm having this memory. Or I totally forgotten about this, but I had this feeling when whatever happened. Mm. Um, the wisdom, so- all the wisdom is in our bodies. Like literally everything we need to know about ourselves exists within our bodies. So becoming more attuned to your own body, you get to know yourself so much better. It's really hot.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I, you know, from a, from a psychology perspective, I remember when I was learning, um, about emotions, essentially early, early on in my career, one of the first things that they told us was this, um, or taught us was this study that essentially was, we're watching brains under a functional MRI scan and the excitement area of the brain that lights up and the fear slash anxiety, which I want to name are two different things. And we can talk about that in a second. Um, part of the brain is essentially the same part.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so this idea of what you're saying about, like, it feels the same in the body, it's literally because it's it, the brain does not know the difference. And the biggest difference is context. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so I love this idea of, If I'm thinking about fantasy, I can keep the context that I'm safe sitting in my bed or I'm safe sitting in my office or wherever on my couch. I'm safe. The context here is safe. Mm -hmm. What do I feel?
1: And that's such an important part of all of this too, that like, you're not, where you where you're thinking you are, right? You're in your home. Maybe your like little puppy is sitting next to you. Like you couldn't be any safer or cosier. And you're fantasizing about gangbangs, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the con the the container is a safe one. And yes. if you are once you do this attuning work to your body, you also learn that you're safe in your body. You are a safe home for yourself. And that allows you to go even further into your fantasy because not only is your exterior container a safe one, but your internal world is a safe one as well.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Okay, so how do you often see shame manifest somatically in folks? What are some common manifestations?
1: Um, As far as physical sensations, um, the shame, I mean... I, I will say that it's always different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, I would say the it's really localized to the chest and the gut. Honestly, most emotion sensations are localized to the chest and the gut. <laughs> um, but this one usually is accompanied by weightiness, some kind of, I feel heavy in my chest. I feel like my gut is churning. I feel another really common one, and this is one for me as well, is like there's like a constriction of the throat, like a ball, oh like, a, it's like choking me from the inside out or like a, a sort of glob or ball in the throat. Um, and then I've seen in the totally opposite direction, people who are like, I feel like I'm floating, like I'm not grounded anymore, like I'm sort of leaving my body or my head is floating off of my shoulders this kind of like i just want to float away into the atmosphere and take me away from this moment kind of energy um so i would say it either in my experience it either is a super high above the body sensation almost in a way or it's like a really weighty heavy weighing down in the body
0: thank you so much for that i i hope that Y'all listening that that is helpful to hear. Um, okay. So to normalize fantasies, often talking about them is helpful. And sure. I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for folks who maybe don't want to work with someone professionally and also aren't ready to tell their partner about it and want to start releasing some shame and maybe digging into whether or not they want to explore it. How can someone do that? What, what do you recommend? Do you like reading erotica, talking to friends, following people on Instagram? Like what is helpful there?
1: I, I, I love that you even said following people on Instagram. I want to say that one of the best things I ever did for myself was totally um revamp my feed. Mm. I like I see fat people, skinny people, people of color, white people, sex positive people, body positive people, psychologists, therapists, like I mean, designers, everybody, people who I'm like so excited to engage with and just like diversifying your feed is like such an amazing thing to do for yourself. And I encourage everybody to go out there and diversify their feed because our social media is all around us and we have control over it. So like take control and see what is good for you to see. Um, I think journaling is a really wonderful tool here there are you can go on Google and literally say like journaling prompts for whatever, and you will find a hundred thousand journaling prompts. so if you have trouble just kind of pulling something from the inside and putting it onto a page, there are tools out there for you for sure. um I also think there's something really nice and sacred about a journal like it's mm. you can put stuff in there and just close it and leave it, and the stuff stays in the journal and you can say to your stuff, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll come back to you tomorrow and just leave it there. It's like a little treasure box with all of your stuff in it, stuff that you don't necessarily want to look at all day long. Um, I think I I like erotic audio, honestly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why? Uh, because it, it's like a good, well, first of all, because I'm neurodivergent, it's it gets really frustrating for me when I'm like, I'm going to fantasize and I'm, I'm not going to watch any porn and I'm going to masturbate with no porn and just me and my beautiful mind. And when that doesn't work out for me, I get really frustrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now all of a sudden I'm like, this happened to me last night. I was like, I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have fun fantasy play before I do this podcast tomorrow. And I was like, I would think about something and then I would say like, Oh yeah. Like I should talk about this in the podcast tomorrow. And like, think about the podcast. I'm like, this is, Uh, you know, this is not hot. Um, anymore. (laughs) And so what I go to and what I went to in that moment, which was really great for me is I moved from a space of like actually Uh, leaning on fantasies of things that haven't happened and found that it's like leaning into the real life experiences that I've had were are so much more easy for me to focus on because I have them in my body. I've have embodied experience of what they feel like. So that's another piece of this is like, figure out what works for you and do some, try to just do some story weaving in your mind and see if that's accessible to you. Try and think about reliving some of your hottest sexual experiences. Um, like I said, erotic audio works for me because it keeps my mind, it keeps my head in the game, but it still allows me room to play and create my own scenes and add my own little nuances and fun details to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and truly like I've, I have given people homework where I'm like write an actual short screenplay of your hottest sexual movie. I love and this. Spend really spend some dedicated time just like writing an erotic story for yourself and it becomes so much easier to share it after you do that kind of work so that when you're with your partner you're not like oh, I don't know, Um, maybe it would be hot if like maybe one time we could maybe possibly do something like this. No, you're showing up and saying, this is what I think is super hot. What do you think about it? Mm. And it's such an empowering place to come from because it's so self-aware. You can be super confident in everything you're saying because then you know it feels good to you. And if it doesn't feel good to someone else, that's fine. Like they are not necessarily yucking your yum if they're not into it. But being able to really, um, express yourself and, and say what you want clearly is super empowering.
0: I love this so much. Okay. So unfortunately we're starting to hit, I think we're going to have to have another conversation about this. Um, is it seriously time already? Yeah, I know. I'm like, and I had 15 more questions. Um, so, okay. A couple things before we wrap up. Yeah. What do you want to make sure people leave this conversation with?
1: Mm. Um, I want to say that we have so few opportunities in this world and in our lives as adults to have a space that is totally ours without any, um, poisoning from the world around us, whether it's patriarchy or capitalism or systemic racism or social structures and constructs, like this is an opportunity for us to create our own world to that we can go to whenever we want that only ever feels good. It is such a wonderful opportunity to curate a playground for yourself and Um, I just think that it is so healing to see yourself, give yourself permission to play in this way. And it's also a really wonderful way of showing your commitment to yourself and your pleasure and your desires and your needs. And it doesn't require anyone else, something you can do totally for and by yourself and, and invite people into, which is also awesome. And I think it's also great when people have an op- an, any opportunity to have autonomy over when and where they want to invite people into their personal space. And this is a really sacred one that feels really good to invite people into when you choose to do so. So it also can provide a really connective experience for you and your partner or partners.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Uh oh, okay, Meryl. If people want to learn more, find you, say hello, all the things, where can they find you?
1: Um, I'm on Instagram at so very meryl. And then Meryl is spelled like Meryl Streep. Hey Meryl Streep, if you're listening. Hi. <laughs> um and you can find my website at com, and you can work with me through Rachel's amazing company, Shame Free Therapy. I also have a private practice. And yeah, I would say follow me on Instagram because there's lots of cool stuff coming up for me. And um, this will definitely be a part of it, doing some fantasy work. So let's, uh, let's fantasize together.
0: <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Meryl. And again, if any of you have questions, follow-up thoughts tag me, tag Meryl, DM either of us. We're here for you. And Meryl, thank you so much again for your time today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I like already can't wait to come back. This is awesome. You're Yay. doing work out there, Rachel. I and so many other people are so grateful and so lucky to have you as a voice here. Really appreciate you having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together.